And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man will I require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to the Dominion Podcast. Episode six. I got it wrong last time. I said it was four. It was actually five. But uh, short selling us. Uh, of course, our astute uh, watchers and listeners would have noticed that. Yeah. I didn't get any angry mail, though. So maybe they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they don't care. <laughs> is our is our podcast the equivalent of the old man yelling at the cloud? <laughs> <laughs> Close. <laughs> well, it's great to be back. Um, how's your Christmas? Where you been? What's going on? Yeah, it's good. I mean, we went to Barbados. My wife is from Barbados. But how do they say it? How do they pronounce it? Barbados. Barbados. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, so we haven't been there in three years because of tyranny, and we finally got back down. And when they lifted the restrictions, we just you know got tickets and um, went down two and a half weeks. Lots of sunshine. Stayed with family. Um, generally, the weather rushed. was horrible the whole time you were there. Yeah, though. no, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> the uh, the they have the you know the rainy and dry season like many places, and Christmas is like peak dry season. So right. we did have showers, but not. Um, tons, you know, it's like high of 28, 29, nice. low humidity, trade winds the whole time. Yeah. Just beautiful. Uh, what side of the island are we on? East or west? So or? we're on the south coast. Do you, so, find a, do you find a difference in the east to west? Oh, yeah. So um, I put up on my Facebook some videos and pictures I took. The east coast is the Atlantic Ocean. And it's funny, like it's a small island in the yeah. middle of the Atlantic, but they call the east the Atlantic, and it's very rugged and rough. So yeah. the 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 wind comes sweeping up onto the land, massive waves. Not a lot of sand, beaches, and things like that. No, well, well, there is long stretches, but it's dark sand, so right. it's not like your typical Caribbean. So it's rugged and rough, beautiful. And then the West Coast is called the Platinum Coast, and that's where all the billionaires have their houses and your typical white sand and glass. But there's almost no breeze, so we went on a catamaran cruise up there, and it's gorgeous to look at. And it's 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 you know, it's like a a postcard. Yeah. Um, but I, I I had the thought. I mean, these people with ten, twenty, thirty million dollar homes, and you're looking at them, and you're like, that looks hot. Yeah. Like <laughs> there's not much breeze, so. No, they're down on the south. They literally live on a cliff on the south coast and lots of breeze. And, and right down the street, like a two-minute walk is um, what Beck refers to as her home break, where the waves are and yeah. kids and her did some surfing. And I stayed and took video and pictures and stuff. So, yeah, it was, it was good. Nice. Thankful for the opportunity, but glad to be back and uh, eager to – Put my hand to the plow. We were talking a little bit that we were, you know, both, I think, eager to get things going again with the podcast. And Definitely. And yeah. Especially with the kind of the slow November and December we had. We got off to a great start, but uh, we're going to keep going. Yeah. 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 So happy new year to everyone. Happy new year. Good to be back. It is good to be back. What are we, uh, what are we talking about today? So I thought um, along with Paul's exhortation, to the church in Ephesus to have nothing to do um, with evil and the works of darkness, but rather to expose them. That we would think through a Christian response and a Christian way of thinking through medically assisted suicide and euthanasia. 
um, because this has become very quickly a massive issue in our country. And this is, as, as, as for those who haven't listened too often, I mean, we're called dominion. We believe essentially the Bible teaches that humanity's purpose, creating the image of God, image and likeness of God, is to glorify him by taking dominion. That is to live under his rule and to rule over creation in his name. And one of the ways that we do that is that we speak the truth in love and we expose the darkness mm-hmm. and we extend the light of Christ. Um, it doesn't mean that everything we speak against that is wicked, that all of those people will repent, but hopefully Christians who listen to this gain some discernment. And we are we are constantly through this podcast and in our own lives and churches, um, seeking to bring the rule of Christ to bear on mm-hmm. this world. And one of the ways that we do that is by promoting justice and righteousness in the public space. And um, right now in Canada, the issue of medically medical assistance in dying or made in short has come to the forefront. So yeah. a little bit of background, um, you couldn't help people kill themselves under, I mean, hopefully understandably, it was illegal and widely considered immoral uh, until 2016, where we legalized assisted suicide. In 2021, our um, government removed a bunch of restrictions that were put in place to, you know, reassure people that this was just an extreme situation, yeah. much like abortion, right? right? Oh, this is an extreme case where mom's going to die and we need to be able to, like, now it's shout your abortion, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, they removed the restrictions and this comes into effect actually in March, I believe, 2023, early this spring sometime. And that includes now the ability to um, kill people who have disabilities mm-hmm. and who have mental illnesses. Yeah. So if th- this is this is hopefully for most people... Um, they're seeing a resemblance between this and like Nazi Germany. Uh, yeah, the problem is most people aren't seeing it. Yeah, most people aren't. And uh, the people who are seeing it have been seeing it for a while because uh, Europe has been far ahead of us on yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And they pretty much went down the exact same path that we're going down, or yeah. we're going down the same path. And so, you know, five like, years ago when we all looked at Iceland, and uh, was it Iceland that said, yeah, we solved the autistic problem. Yeah, and they said we don't have any more autism in in Iceland, and everybody's like, "Yay!" And it's like, "Yeah." So, so we just killed them. Yeah, that's, down, that's Down solving. syndrome. Yeah. And uh, you know, so we should have seen it back then that that's where this is heading. Yeah, and I mean, there's nothing there's nothing stopping us from going there. No, we've already you know we're already doing sex selective abortion and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. what's the difference, right? Yeah, and it says, I mean, in Proverbs um, eight thirty six, wisdom is speaking, kind of personified. And um, we read, but the one who misses me uh, harms himself. All who hate me love death. Mm-hmm. And when you reject God and his wisdom, when you don't fear the Lord, um, you pursue a lifestyle and attitudes and behaviors that promote death. Yeah. And this is what we're seeing as our Christian culture has rejected the rule of Christ. Um, we've been led to believe 
for my whole life, and I think the previous generation, that it's possible to have a neutral culture. There's a culture that yeah. can, we can share values, values like justice and values like mercy and compassion. Yeah. These and human, are things everybody human agrees rights, on. Self-apparent. Right. Uh, no, no, these are not self-apparent. And about two minutes after Jesus leaves the room, everyone starts killing each other. And I mean that literally. Um so a couple recent examples that have brought this to the forefront in Canada, uh, Rupa Subramanya, I hope I said her name right. She's a wonderful journalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's written for lots of publications. She was writing for True North. Now she's with Barry Weiss's new publication, um, I think the Free Press. And uh, uh, she's one of the best journalists we have. Yeah. And she did an expose where I believe it was an 18-year-old whose mother found out that he had been scheduled for medically assistance, medical assistance and dying in two weeks' time. I think she read an email of his, and she panicked, and she basically, long story short, sought to intervene. And this doctor was going to, had fully approved that this guy didn't even meet with him in person. He talked to him on Zoom. He had a Zoom meeting, this 18-year-old who's depressed. He is diabetic, I believe partially blind, he has, um, in in one sense, significant health issues, but not in the category whatsoever of life-threatening. And um, he was just depressed about it and decided, I'm sick of this. I just want to die. Set up a Zoom call with a doctor, and the doctor approved it. So in two weeks, he's going to go to this clinic, take one pill uh, to you know paralyze him, put him into a coma, rather, and the next one, you know... Um, to, to stop your organs from working. Literally, two pills you take. So she intervened and fortunately was stopped. I think the son was upset and the doctor just refused to do it because of the pressure that was coming. But that would have been legal. Yeah. If a depressed 18-year-old wanted to go to a clinic and kill himself, even these stories kept coming out. A, a, um, a Canadian um, Paralympic that, athlete yeah. who was a veteran yeah. asked a veterans association a government association for help for like um, accessibility. Automatic, automatic stare. Yeah. It was like, she needed help. She's, she's a veteran. She's like, I need some help with accessibility issues. And they said, well, have you considered killing yourself? Literally. Um, they offered her maid instead of helping build a ramp. Um, and this is not uncommon. Uh, people we read in, in mainstream media that I believe is CTV did a story on a gentleman Lives in a, I mean, his apartment looked really nice. He was, I think he was in his 50s, maybe early 60s. He's been on disability for a long time. I think chronic pain, yeah. but he lives independently. I mean, um, and his concern was once his landlord sold the building, that he wouldn't be able to find a room. And so his solution to this foreseen problem, not even a present reality, was to, he, I just feel hopeless. I'm going to kill myself. And he was proved. Now, by God's grace, many people watched this, and he actually received help through viewers watching this horror story go down. Um, and this, you know, even even there was a, we see clothing companies putting out ads that are romanticizing someone, a young woman committing suicide. And actually, the friends of this woman in this video came out later and said, she didn't want to kill herself. She just had health issues that she felt like she couldn't get help for. So she yeah. felt um, despair. Yeah. So what we're saying now is no longer is, is the moral case for 
helping someone kill themselves, the most severe, you know, you are literally in the throes of death and excruciating pain. We will, um, we will quicken that transition. Yeah. I, I now suppose it's like, this is, I suppose this is where a culture goes when they don't have any answers. Yeah. Like your only answer is, well, I can't help you with your suffering. So I guess we'll just kill you. Yeah. So this should be terrifying for anybody who's getting close to retirement or getting to an elderly age. Like yes. You're living in a culture now where if you're sick or in pain, you're, you know, you're disposable. Recommended. It's it's recommended for you to just not exist anymore because you're a burden on yeah. everybody. And, and actually a doctor, um, a medical professional in Quebec was recently on record on video suggesting that even infants one, two, three, four years old, um, who had, he describes as serious health issues should be considered for, for euthanasia. So now it's not even like, you don't even need to make the decision. A one-year-old can't decide this. It's no surprise. We kill children, you know, when they're in mommy, why wouldn't we kill them outside? It's consistent, but it's actually just, I don't think Canadians realize that we, that, that this is seriously considered, and that the medical establishment seriously thinks this is okay. Yeah. And there are doctors who object to this, um, but I think what Christians need to wake up to, and the reason you need to advocate about this and think about it and speak about it, um, for other people to begin with, uh, this is we, there's already so many anecdotes of elderly people, their nurses just saying, "Look, why don't we just..." Why don't we just kill you? When we know we know that the population in Canada is an elderly population, we are in a healthcare crisis. It's only going to get worse. You saw what they did for a bad flu to preserve the healthcare system. Um, absolutely, Which didn't seem to preserve it very well. No, it didn't. It didn't, and yep. it still is broke more broken than before. Um, the solution by the government for this is actually yeah. to just start killing people. Yeah. It saves money. It's a pretty cynical view, but it seems to make the most sense. Oh, there were articles in mainstream Canadian media about this in 2016, hmm. about how this would practically save money. Yeah. So this is this isn't a this is just this is just the facts on the ground. So I mean, um, it's a it's dystopian. Like yeah. it is presently dystopian, and we need to be aware of that. I wanted to make five observations and maybe just jump in and comment on these. Oh, I plan on it. Just get ready. <laughs> just going to interrupt. Just interrupt. Interject even. <laughs> Be the guy who just doesn't put his hand down. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Mr. Katana. <laughs> you, you said it already, I think, but this is what you, this is where it goes. When you reject God, what you also reject is an objective standard of ethics without God. Yeah. You do not have an objective standard of ethics. No. Yeah. Sorry. I, I've, Go ahead. I've been in conversations with people before uh, talking about whatever issues of capital punishment or gay marriage or whatever. And um, a lot of times it just comes down to, well, this everybody agrees on this now. Human and, solidarity. And like, okay. Well, they didn't agree on it 50 years ago. Yeah. And at one point we all agreed that slavery was cool. Yeah. It's like that's... How can you be using that? But that's basically what it boils down to, right? If you don't have an anchor for your morals, yeah, which atheism doesn't have, agnosticism doesn't have, yeah, a lot of Christians don't even use uh, this type of uh, anchor. If you don't have that, then it's just uh, 
you know, counting noses, as yes. R.C. Sproul would say. Yes. And it's a, it's a self-contradiction with progressive ideology, because on the one hand, they want to say, we, the persecuted minority, um, ought to stand against the oppression of the majority, um, while at the same time saying there is no transcendent God, there's yeah. no objective source. It's what the it's, people say. It's it only, like power is the only thing that matters. Okay, well you lose then. Yeah, then you lose. <laughs> then, then why do you protest? Yeah. Why do minorities matter? Why do minority positions and minority views on any? They actually don't matter. You're right numbered. You're wrong. Of course, that's not true. And Christians don't think that way. We don't think you're right because you're a minority. We don't think you're right because you're a majority. Mm-hmm. We think. Um, truth and ethics is rooted in the objective um, existence of the triune God and revealed to us in His Word. But if you don't, if you don't have that, then all you can do is start making stuff up. Yep. And so the more we see policy coming through, what Christians are going to realize is, oh, there was no shared moral consensus. Um, yeah. This doesn't arrive from the ground up. When they said uh, made is going only going to go this far and no further. Yeah. they. It's not even that they were lying. It's just that they didn't have a reason to say why it wouldn't go further. And that's the point. It's like, on what principle do we say it is okay to help people kill themselves here but not and here. not here? Yeah. And apart from um, scripture... We're, what our claim is not you're wrong. We're saying you have no basis for anything you say. Yeah. No justification. No yeah. warrant. We would you say. may believe it's wrong, yeah. but you have no reason to believe no, that. No, it's not. It's not yeah. a ras- You have no rational case for that. So ethics are arbitrary. So that's the first thing we have to say. And you see that in as we go into this. It's like, well, if we allow people to do it when they're in pain and and at the end of life. It's like, well, why not when they're one and in pain? And why not? And can pain include despair and depression? And like these, there's yeah. there's no line. Uh, I mean, why is the line have to be their consent anyway? Yeah. Why can't it be the the opinion of experts who just think that your quality of life isn't going to be good enough? You're going to cost more money than you're going to generate. Yes. So bye bye. Yeah. Or you're from the wrong ethnic group. Yes. Or whatever. Hundred percent. Which which they do believe. Yeah. And if and and we're a lot closer to that kind of thing than people think. Like yes. I was, I went to the hospital unvaccinated, and you should see the way they treat you. Like it, and and I had family as well. Like it actually is, and everyone who wasn't vaccinated, and everyone who was, should have just looked out and read the headlines. Toronto Star is saying they should just let the unvaccinated die. Like. If you don't think yeah. humanity is capable of that kind of thing in a quote unquote civilized culture, you don't know anything yeah. about history. No, they they already they already have an opinion on who has a right to live and who yes. doesn't. They're just not putting it into policy yet. Yeah. They're starting with other things like, you know, you need to drive this type of vehicle. Yeah. You need to put this type of heating system in your house. You need to do this. You need to, you know, yeah. so eventually it gets to the point where hey, if they can decide those things for you. Yeah. yeah. And we already have abortion. Yeah. So we've already just decided as a culture that babies don't have a moral say, um, that they don't matter, that we are allowed to commit genocide against this group of people. And it's it's not genocide. Yeah. It's actually it's actually a right. It's healthcare. Yeah. Right? So arbitrary. Now the principles that I can discern um that these people work from who commit such atrocities, I could I could think of two. One, 
they appeal to the supposed human right for absolute self-determination, or we would say autonomy, self-rule. We know they don't believe that. No, but we'll talk about that. (laughs) And the second principle is compassion related to the alleviation of human suffering. So these are the two things that, look, human beings have a a human right to self-determination. And the second thing is humans have a right to have their suffering alleviated. And these have strong emotional, um, uh, like, connections with people. Yeah, the like, second it carries one a lot is, of is particularly strong argument that yeah. most people would use. Well, they're suffering. They should be allowed to decide they don't want to be alive anymore. Yeah. And so to, to deal with the first issue, you know, when someone someone um, should have the right to make their decisions. You see this in, in a lot of... Um, not just literature, communication about made from that side. Yeah. They bring this up a lot. Uh, we want to say as Christians, obviously on a, in a biblical basis, um, the right or the desire to self-governance, and I mean ultimate self-governance. Autonomy. Yeah, autonomy. We're not talking about I get to choose what I wear in the morning. Everyone, including Christians, and Christians actually have the only basis for human responsibility and corresponding freedom. So we would say God has given humanity various responsibilities and the authority and the freedom to carry those out. Hmm. So we believe in in a measure of self-determination. And actually that's important to upholding human dignity. At the same, what I'm talking about is the idea that self-determination is ultimate. That is, there can be no infringement on that. And any infringement on my ability to choose is wrong, which is why the pro-choice movement carries weight with people. But but even then, they're making a jump, even if that were true, which we don't believe it is. We believe that that God holds the keys to life and death, and it's only by his authority that we're allowed to take those, take life. Uh, So we, we don't believe that first premise. But even if that was true, that doesn't mean that I should have to pay for your suicide or that, or that somebody else should be allowed to administer it. So, so that, which is, which is why, I mean, you can make suicide illegal, but what do you do if somebody jumps off a bridge? You can't prosecute them. They're dead. Yeah. You know, so people have always had the freedom to kill themselves. Mm-hmm. So, but, but the problem is not just that we disagree with this idea. It's, it's also like it would contradict scripture, but it contradicts scripture, and scripture des- describes reality, mm-hmm. which means that it actually isn't real. It can't exist. And, and we need to understand this. Um, the idea that a human being has the capacity for self-determination, ultimately, is a total myth. And the reason is very, very simple. Um, your desires and your actions which you pursue in the goal of doing what you want, when you want, with no limits, at some point, and very often, inevitably, will intrude upon someone else's desires for self-determination. And when your desire to do this and their desire to do that conflict with one another, which inevitably happens... All the time, every day. All the time, every day. (laughs) 
if the only thing you can do is either say, I'm going to give up the illusion of self-determination and recognize that, no, no, I have rights and you have rights, and we need to learn how they integrate together, which means setting aside the myth that I can do whatever I want when I want, or we have to say, nope, I'm going to overpower you. But then if we do that, we're not really saying or believing that every human has the right to self-determination. What we're actually saying is some humans have the right to self-determination. But then it's not actually a human right. It's a right of the powerful or a certain class. This is C.S. Lewis's argument in The Abolition of Man, the right of some men to control others. Yes. They talk about the power of science. Yes. Yeah. So it's so there is no one it is not logically possible it's not rationally possible for human beings to exercise total self-determination. The the other very obvious thing is that our ability is far smaller than our desire. Yeah. We cannot accomplish 10% of the things we desire to do. Yes. Like and I just don't have I don't have the strength, the ability, the, the force. Capacity. I don't have the capacity for yes. it. Yes. So there's a capacity problem. It's just actually an illusion. Like no one actually has that capacity. Um and it's also an it's it's a it's a it's an equality problem. So it's like you can't say it's a human right because it's not possible for everyone. And for it to be a human right actually has to be equally dispersed, which can't happen. So there is no such thing as a human right to total self-determination. It doesn't exist. Mm. Not just we disagree with it, we think it's bad, it's not real. Um, the other thing, when we think about made, let's just apply what, what this. Point, what yeah. point are we on here? Two now? Yeah, this is okay. two. Okay. Just want to keep it straight in my head. Yeah. Because I know how you preach. Yeah, I say one, <laughs> three. Yeah. I've I, got, I got eight points. It's going to turn into four. <laughs> That's it. That my wife's always telling me that. I just do three now. Yeah. So I just, nothing but three. Easier to alliterate that way too. Yeah. It's more inspired. That's right. Um, if we think about made, when someone says, look, I want um, to be able to control my life. I have a right to self-determination. Therefore, I can kill myself. Um, we have to say... Uh, no one is actually really determining all the variables in their life when they kill themselves. So they are making, um, we aren't actually determining the time of our death. Um, absolutely. If so, we would probably heal ourselves and we would live longer. Uh, we are simply choosing from a very narrow set of options that we cannot control. Um, for one, human beings have a limited lifespan, even if you're healthy and don't suffer. Like, you will not live forever. So, on this earth, in this reality, every single human being is limited by the laws of our existence. That, that there's, there's no one who can simply choose to extend their life yeah. indefinitely. That's not an option. So, for every single human being, off the hop, we have to recognize, wait a second. I don't have I don't have the 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 right or capacity to determine everything for myself. There's some things that I'm just born with restrictions and limits in place. Mm-hmm. We didn't choose our our birthday. We didn't choose where we were born. So much you didn't yeah. choose. And I didn't choose to be this devilishly handsome. Yeah. You know, it's just I, a it's gift. Just, it's a burden I have to bear. It's my cross, right? 
Yeah. 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 No comment. <laughs> it's a burden though, right? <laughs> On everyone around me. So when someone says, you know, in in my attempt to for to gain self-determination, I'm going to take these pills and kill myself. We have to say, you're not actually determining much here. You're determining this, a little sliver of choices that you have in your life. You're trying to have mm-hmm. control over. And maybe those, maybe like you can have control over those choices, but let's just get rid of the illusion that you are actually exercising yeah. some godlike control over your existence. You're not. And it's possible that you're actually being played. Oh, like, you know, a hundred percent is that option too. Yeah, you and, and likely people in these scenarios are themselves limiting their options, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you are the one actually not leaving open, like however many opportunities and paths to your existence that mm-hmm. could happen and experiences that could take place. Like you are limiting those things, which means you're undermining this whole idea of self-determination. Um, you're, when you, when you, when you say that um, there's, you know, 10 options and I'm only letting you choose from two, but at least you get to choose it. It's like, okay, what kind of determination is that? If there's 10 options and I can only choose from two, am I really free? Am I really um, exercising total autonomy at this point? No. Within these restrictions, which now you impose on yourself by taking this route, you're, you're exercising a very small, limited choice, and, and one that has destructive powers. So we want to reject at the outset the takeaway from this. Medical assistance in dying does not offer self-determination. It offers a tiny choice while removing a thousand other choices. Uh, And we should say that it's not possible and that self-determination as an ultimate thing is not a human right. It's not a human capacity. And it's actually the language that is used to perpetuate enormous harms and evils against people who are less powerful Mm -hmm. than you. So Christians should just, when they hear that, be like, that's a horrible idea. Not, oh, I guess so. I guess they have the right. No, no, no. Terrible idea. Um, the second argument, which which gets a lot of people, is the alleviation of human suffering. Now, what Christians should say, and all ethical people, is that of course we want to alleviate human suffering. Um, the question is, can we alleviate this suffering? And what will we do? And everyone acknowledges the people who are the, the the staunchest proponents of killing your children and killing your grandparents all acknowledge that there are certain actions which would alleviate human suffering which are wrong. Namely, giving these pills to everyone on the planet so we all die so there's no more suffering. No one, I hope, is advocating for that. Um, they would say that, well, that's not right, and for whatever reason— So all of us acknowledge that there are things we can do to stop suffering that we shouldn't do because it's wrong. So Christians need to just accept this principle as well and just say, look, it's not enough for you to say this would stop suffering. You need to explain how that also upholds other ethical principles. Mm. Um, And everyone actually believes that. So there's some other practical questions we need to ask. And by the way, this is a this is a progressive problem. Progressivism is inherently utopian. 
and it's a right. uh, it's it's a it's it's describing to oneself godlike abilities um, to protect and to provide and to alleviate human suffering and through human progress overcome that which ails us. It's a false gospel. It's an evolutionary view that things start out primitive and by the end they're going to be perfect. Yeah, and the re- and and a lot of people say, well, what's wrong with that? Don't you want the world to get better? It's like yes, and I my view of the world is that it's going to be one day remade with yeah. no sin and suffering. But the problem is when people try and make the world not better, but perfect, they usually make it worse. Yeah. When they try to they make it, always make it worse. Always make, <laughs> when they try to make it perfect their way. Yeah. So if your solution to alleviating cancer is every time someone goes into the clinic, the doctor just gives them pills to kill themselves. Like we do with down syndrome in Scandinavian countries. Um, you know, mom and dad go in and they, they find out that their child is Down syndrome and they just kill it. It's like, you didn't really solve the problem of Down syndrome. You just killed people with Down syndrome. <laughs> Christ is the only one who can truly solve these problems in a humane way, mm-hmm. in a way that upholds human dignity. When human beings try to do it, they end up committing all kinds of atrocities. But this is what I'm trying to drive home. You need to reject the idea that's pervasive that we can fix everything because that means that you ought to. Yeah. And we ought, we should reject that. So when someone says, look, don't you want to help them? You can help them right now if you just did this. It's like, okay, but that's not the only thing. That's not in itself a justification for doing this. Mm-hmm. So so think about that. Um, an author, I forget who, raised a... Uh, um, in a paper, there's an ethics paper recently by an academic, mm-hmm. a scholar, and um, a, an unbeliever, not a believer. And I don't even know if they are fully against made in all circumstances, but they were raising a question. They raised this philosophical question. How can you say that death alleviates suffering when you don't know what happens after death? Yeah. <laughs> like as a scientist. Yeah. Like just... Pure rationality, no God, mm. nothing. Let's just grant your fake world. Can anyone here verify to me that they know with scientific certainty, even probability, what happens when people die? Well, I mean, no. Well, then how can you say that their suffering is yeah. alleviated? It's like on its face, so irrational. Yeah. Now, and, and as believers, we should be looking at people saying, "Hey, if they're not saved, if they don't, if they haven't repented, yeah, then there's far more suffering awaiting them on the other yes. side." So there's two responses. One, you have no warrant for saying that this alleviates suffering. None, and we actually have warrant for saying it could and likely is going to make it far, 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 infinitely worse for them. Because there's appointed man wants to die, and then judgment, the word says. Death is final in the sense that the final opportunity for you to repent. Yeah. And if you haven't turned to Christ, and if you have persisted in your rebellion, you will not turn after death. No. And what you are doing is you are literally damning people apart from Christ. Forever. So there's two there's two two points that Christians make is one, you have no ethical, philosophical, scientific basis whatsoever to say 
that helping people kill themselves is alleviating their suffering. Because in order to say that, you would have to know that the consequences of that action cause less suffering. And by definition, no one but God can tell us what happens on the other side of death. By definition. So this idea of of, of suffering alleviation with, again, with the consequence of death— is is totally baseless. Even if you're not a Christian, even if you're not a Christian, you should just say like, hey, um, you don't know that. There's no way to know that. You can't say that. It's not a valid argument. But we happen to know, not only can you know it and their argument's wrong, it's way worse than that. That's right. Um, so I thought, I thought, you know, we need to be firm on this. <clears throat> Another question is, and this goes back to the arbitrariness of it. Um, when is where exactly is the line where suffering is so serious that it justifies helping kill someone? Um, because we all acknowledge, everyone acknowledges that there is a kind of suffering that does not warrant that. Yeah, how do you quantify that? If you stop, say, like, if, if if one of these psychopaths in medicine stubbed their toe and I ran over and I'm just like, take the pills, they'd be like, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm fine, thank you. I don't need to kill myself. Not only that, they would actually see me rightly as a psychopath. Um, so we all acknowledge that there's some kind of pain. What if you woke up and you looked outside and it was, you know, plus five and you just got home from Barbados and it was kind of depressing to see it overcast? Should I kill myself? Uh, what level of pain and suffering, mental, emotional, physical, warrants ethically killing someone? Because all of us agree that there is a line, that before that line, it's actually wrong to do. And some people are saying there is a line somewhere, and after that, it's fine to do. So we need to point, we need to say, where is that line? Mm-hmm. Where is that line? And if it's not natural death, natural life and natural death in the hands of God, while we do everything in our power to um, alleviate and comfort the suffering of people without playing God and taking their life, uh, what exactly is the principle we're working from? And you realize that any line you draw is just actually totally arbitrary. Mm -hmm. Even if you go to end of life and you say, well, if they're in this amount of it's like one how do you measure that like how do you measure amount of pain i'm not saying you can't look at someone and see they're in pain look i sat with my grandpa and i sat with my dad while they died like i i literally was in the room and i watched them go through the process of their bodies shutting down and they were given medication to help alleviate their pain a lot of it while their organs stopped which is very painful and I saw my dad grimace as his body died. And it took a long time. And I'm not denying that people are in pain. And I'm thankful that we live in a day and age where there is medication to ease that pain. Um, but I don't know how I would sit there and know exactly how much he was in. And, um, you know, to, to, if someone was to break an arm, for example. Mm-hmm. We need to think about the temporalness of this. If you break a limb, there's things you can experience that are excruciatingly painful, that are actually, there's nothing, you're not p- capable of feeling any more pain than that, 
but they're temporal. So we all see a different moral category here. So if I break my leg, the initial, say a femur, the biggest bone in your body, um, it's probably some of the worst pain you could feel, but it doesn't stay, the most acute pain doesn't stay that way. Mm-hmm. And so once my leg is broken, and you know, I'm, I'm still in some pain, or in a lot of pain, but no one would think it's okay to go say, kill yourself. And most people would see just just by just by common sense, it's like, yeah, but he doesn't feel that way anymore. We'll come to end of life, supposedly end of life. How do you know what's going to happen in the future? Like, how do you know, one, we know that God can intervene in people's life and has. The body is still very much a mystery to us. Um, we don't actually know for certain that someone's pain won't stop, that it's not temporal. We don't know that. So then the response might be, well, look, we know probability-wise, statistically, which is true. So there's, you can look at someone's symptoms, you know, again, not to be morbid, but I, like, I literally went through the dying process with my father, and I don't go into all the details, but they tell you, all over his body, things to look for, the, the way the limbs look and this, and you'll know that he's going to pass. Um, and I'm assuming that when these things happen, you know, when their hands and feet look a certain way, most, and I'll even grant, um, if maybe every person, uh, inevitably, there's only one outcome. So you can even say probability-wise, if we see these symptoms, it's it's almost certain that it's not temporal, that it is inevitable. One, you're still making a probability claim. So you have to acknowledge that what you're saying is, I'm going to kill someone which is definite. It's 100% based on a probability. Mm-hmm. And then what is the ethical, like, then what? Then exact, then the question is, and exactly what degree of probability do we have to have in order for that to be ethical? Like, you need an actual yeah. line. No, they, they can't quantify it. But this. then you can't quantify it. No. And then it just becomes then it just it it is totally subjective. It's totally arbitrary, but it's not morally arbitrary. Yeah. Like we all acknowledge that there actually is a right and there is a wrong. So you're on one sense saying my standards for doing this action are arbitrary, but we all know that morally somewhere it's wrong. So then what we're doing is we're engaging in activity that we're just rolling the dice. I mean, I'm speaking from their perspective. Yeah. Um, they and, and from their own perspective and values and principles could just be murdering people. Mm-hmm. And they don't care. Like they don't care to establish an actual line. Yeah. Well, they clearly don't have a problem with certain types of murder. No. Right. And this, and this is the Christian answer to this is the probabilities uh, don't matter and not that pain doesn't matter. Pain does matter, and yeah. nobody wants to go through it. No, but that's not. There's no. There's no uh, loophole clause on the commandment to not murder. No, you know, it's not like don't murder unless the person wants you to do it for them, or like it's just don't murder. Yes, if you do that, your life is forfeit, and you have, uh, you know, you have basically played God because it's in God's hands. Yes, the day of the day of birth and the day of death, right? And uh, on top of that, we're dealing with people who are made in his image. And so what is it you're saying about God when you, when you take the life of one of his image bearers, mm-hmm. right? So this, you know, our answers are different and 
Of course, I wouldn't make probability arguments, but we're only doing this to show the poverty of their... Yeah, I'm showing their argument and how on its face, it just falls apart as all arguments that are not biblical do. Even even granting their premises, it still falls apart. It still falls apart. But then, and, and then we see the wisdom of scripture. It's like, well, why shouldn't you murder um, a thousand reasons, like maybe like thousands and thousands of reasons, but one fundamental is you can't play God. Like we do yeah. not have the capacity to give and to take life in that way. We just don't. We cannot assess. If we come up with these standards, we can't even assess the standards that we set up to determine this. We can't tell. We can't tell this won't end. We can't tell to what degree. Um, we can't tell that someone wouldn't intervene. We can't tell we, what happens after we death. We can't tell whether or not good will come from it. Yeah. Like, we have no way of telling that. Yeah. So it's just it, it's just an arrogant, conceited idolatry. Right. And it's like nobody, nobody uh, argues that suffering in and of itself is good. No. But maybe we would make an argument that God uses yes. suffering. Like he did on the cross yes. for a greater for a greater purpose, and even our own, and even our own, yeah. And then, and then, so when the accusation is, oh, so you're saying you want people to stay and they're suffering? It's like when I say that you shouldn't kill people, when I say that we are incapable of alleviating people's suffering through death in an ethical way. It, it's a fallacy to say I'm advocating for suffering. Yeah, I'm not rejoicing in their suffering. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even saying we shouldn't do something about it. It's the fallacy of they believe if we can do something, we ought to. And we reject that. Yeah. If you if you could help them alleviate their suffering, you ought to. And yeah. if you won't, you're condoning this it. Is the, like, this is no. the knee-jerk progressive reaction to everything. Is Yes. Well, this is, I mean, we saw this with COVID. Well, we have to do something. We can't do nothing. Yeah. Well, actually, things would have been better if you had done nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we want to say, no, 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 no. I'm not advocating for suffering. Suffering happens, and there's nothing we can do about the fact of suffering. We can seek to alleviate it in ethical ways, but it's actually just, it's not actually compassionate. It's arrogant to say that we can do away with all suffering and misery in this world. And, and it's a, that kind of idea, as we said, promotes suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing I'll say about this is that far from being a compassionate response to human suffering, this is actually the death of compassionate care. So anecdotally, Many stories have come out of elderly people, um, of people who've been in hospital for a long time. Their nurses just uh, offering them suicide. And um, in Canada, you know, we've had something that's been a huge blessing for a long time. My dad was a recipient of it. Palliative care, that is um, the provision of suffering alleviating therapies and and care, including compassion and human warmth, as people um, move towards the end of their life on this, this, their physical life on this earth. And that's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. And Christians should be advocating for um, the best palliative care we can give. I mean, um, even when I was in the hospital in the ICU, I was just thankful the when I went into Emerge, Part of the reason I left the first time was the bed was horrific. It was, it was just so uncomfortable. It's funny the things you care about. When you went to ICU, they had this bed I was in for five days straight, and I didn't get sore once because it's like an air bed. 
And all I kept thinking, like it could go up and down and actually it automatically adjusted to the contours of your body. So I stayed comfortable even though I didn't move for five days. Um, I'm not making light of what I'm saying here is I kept thinking, imagine being in far worse conditions than I was and laying on a dirt floor of some hot hut somewhere. Like that would just suck. And I was just so thankful, even with the problems we have, that there's the comforts and the mm-hmm. care that we receive. Like I'm very thankful for that. And we as Christians have been the ones to advocate for these things, and we should continue to. This is what the Canadian Society of Palliative Care Physicians wrote in a statement responding to MAID. They wanted to make the point that medical medical assistance in dying is not palliative care. So they're trying to frame it as, this is part of our therapies. Um, No. Uh, Palliative care's focus is on providing high-quality care and relief of suffering as life and death take their natural course. Palliative care physicians intend neither to hasten nor to postpone death. And um, obviously, medical assistance in dying is to hasten Mm -hmm. death as God. And we need to say, nope. This is not an, this is this is not palliative care and and we are going to see increasingly as this becomes ethically acceptable why would you spend thousands of dollars a day to keep that you think this per, you're willing to kill this person anyways you think it's permissible yeah why would you keep them alive watch for the articles coming out now like they did with the unvaccinated watch it say Oh, palliative care. This guy's been here for two weeks. There's children in ICUs who need beds. There's people bed, who yeah. need beds. And you just you just wait till that argument starts to be made. Um, and, and I mean like in the next two months, yeah. that argument we made. Because it's already being made. Uh, why wouldn't we do that? You know, why wouldn't we? We already mm-hmm. believe that ethic. Yeah. And so this will just be the end of compassionate care. Not the beginning of it. Not a supplement to it. Mm-hmm. It'll be the total end of compassionate care. So we want to end and close by saying um, medical assistance in dying ultimately represents a false gospel. It's a gospel by human um, determination and self-determination. It prevents a counterfeit law to God's law. It's an attempt to be God and to play God. It's ultimately futile and evil. And the Christian view of things is that life is not in our hands to give. Mm-hmm. Uh, life is the gift given by the Creator God to whom we owe thanks and praise for. Every life and breath that yep. we have is owing to Him. And the good things and the suffering all come from His hand. All come from His hand. And there are a thousand things that God does in suffering. This is the amazing thing is not only do we do we not play God in suffering, that we can see that all things work together for good for those who are called. For those who put their faith in Jesus, the most severe physical afflictions, emotional afflictions um, are never meaningless and we are never without hope in the midst of them. And God is always doing something through that. So there's, there's always a purpose. There's never a reason to just throw it away and say, my life is done. It's not done. There, there are things that God is doing in you. There could be things that God is doing through you that you never know until eternity, if ever. That God could be working. We have people in our congregation whose infants 
have died. And I can say a brother, you know, brother Josh as well and his wife Kyla, their son, and their the life of their children was so short, and yet God used it to impact hundreds, thousands of people in our congregation and around the world um, for His glory, something that, that their children would never have known. Um, and so your life isn't even all about you and your and the story that God is weaving in history doesn't center on you. And he uses even our afflictions to do incredible good for other people. And so we want to say that human life is sacred. God alone is qualified and capable of defining, of giving and and. Yeah. Taking it, and human life is only sacred if God made it. Yes, that's, that's the it. only that's the only reason human rights can exist. Yes, or human dignity is possible. Yes. So when they say that self determination is a human right, it's like one self determination is you, a, a, yeah. ir- irrational. <laughs> it's also like human right. What's that? We all came from slime. Yeah. Like, what do you care? Yeah. There's no basis yeah. for that. Um, humans do not possess a capacity for ultimate self-determination, and the attempt to gain such a capacity inherently requires the oppression of others. Mm-hmm. Death is not um, the alleviation of human suffering. It is the consequence of sin. But for Christians, death is, and for everyone actually, death is not the end. It is another doorway into eternity. For those in Christ, death is to be present with Christ, Paul says. Mm-hmm. To be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. And one day our bodies will be resurrected to a new creation without any suffering or death. All tears will be wiped away. But for those who reject Christ in the gospel, physical death is the doorway to continued suffering for a continued rejection for God. And the only solution to suffering and death ultimately is the suffering and death of Jesus Christ on the cross, in our place, for our sins, in his resurrection from the dead, conquering death, and ushering in the new creation. Because of this gospel hope, we can endure suffering and offer genuine, humane, ethical, loving compassion to those who do suffer. And so this is honestly... A wonderful gospel opportunity is the darkness of sin surrounds the the beauty and the light of Christ is just such a contrast. Mm. So I hope that this is actually a day for the church and the gospel to shine in our country. Well, we'll pray to that end. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks for uh, preparing that. And what are we doing next week? <laughs> I don't know. We'll ask Ben. We'll see. Yeah, we'll get the Benjaminite back on. See what we can do. Yeah. Um, want to shout out to our sponsors, our official sponsor, the Upper 40 Studios. Yeah. Uh, owner, Tristan Inglis. It's his thing. What's it called? Yeah, a.k.a. The Folklorist. That's The Folklorist. Yeah, we'll put some links. Yeah, we didn't put the proper links up last time, so I'll get them up this time. Yeah, but he's a Christian artist, and uh, he's got some great music, and he's working on actually a video, I think, to be released in the near future, and... um. Yeah, we want to support him as well. Shout out also to Quartha Classical Christian School. That's right. Um, tuning hearts, training minds to the glory of Christ. And uh, if you want your child to have a rigorous Christian education, um, look us up, com. And if you just want to support Christian education, look us up. And uh, there's a page for giving there and thankful for what God's doing. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. 
We'll see you next time on the Dominion Podcast. But for now, we'll leave you with this. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. 